Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Linode and Skillshare. Yeah. I'm Simone de Rochefort, Polygon's video producer. Are you <laughs> and sure I'm tonight. you're Simone de Rochefort? I don't think you are. I think this is an impersonator that's found her way onto Rocket this week. Uh, if she is, she's doing a fantastic job <laughs> of impersonating Simone de Rochefort. So I don't think that you can criticize her. That was Christina who said that, by the way. No, that was Bree who said that. Uh, uh, see, but 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 you right. did pass. This is this is how we you almost passed the Turing test because we know the real Simone <laughs> would have known the difference between Bree and myself. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm joined tonight by Brianna Wu, Democratic candidate for Congress, and Christina Warren, senior cloud developer advocate at Microsoft. Hello, hello. Can I start today off by saying this is a good day for Democrats running for Congress that are outsiders? This has been a good day. This has been a good day. This has been a good fundraising day. I just got done doing an interview with the Times. This has been a really good day for us. That's very good. Yeah, give the audience some context, um, because there was a big upset that a lot of people were not expecting. So give us the details. Basically, there was a huge upset in New York. Uh, A longtime, uh, basically, establishment Democrat was uh, knocked out by a 28-year-old woman who is amazing and who is really with the heart of the party with everything she believes, like universal health care, you know, legalizing marijuana, just every single bread and butter issue of the party, access to reproductive health care. She's there and she's not apologetic about it. And it's amazing. And that kind of passion uh, made her like, it brought her over the top. It's just fantastic to watch. So I think that energy uh, has really just fired up a lot of people, certainly on my campaign. So very mm-hmm. exciting. Yeah, it makes me a lot more optimistic about all the the women who are running for the first time ever this year. And Crowley's uh, response to her, Crowley's concession was very gentlemanly. And I just Googled to to make sure that I had her name correctly. It's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who won here in Bronx and Astoria. And the first article that came up was uh, quoting Cuomo saying, really mean things so good luck in your gubernatorial race (laughs) (laughs) seriously uh, cynthia nixon aka miranda for gov like yes honestly i can't friggin wait sorry welcome to our non-political show um (laughs) we're just sex in the city fans right that's That's really all it is we just want miranda to be governor that's really all it is yeah i'm Mm -hmm. down with that (laughs) so we can use reaction gifts from our governor for the rest <laughs> of her career. It'll be wonderful. Anyway, wow. Shall we dive right into some topics? I feel like the way she treated Steve is going to be a huge scandal for her. I'm just saying. <laughs> mm, I mean, yeah, what about the drawer of vibrators that she had? I don't know if mm. I want my governor. No. I don't know. I, but, I don't know she, but, 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 but look at how great she was with Magda. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. They That's really fair. did bond. <laughs> Let's talk about some tech. Let's talk about some tech. Our first story today uh, is the maybe the final update in a long saga about the MacBook keyboard from Casey Johnston over at the Outline. So Apple has finally admitted that their keyboards are broken, 
and yeah. sad. Wow. And they are offering basically repairs on them, even if they're outside of warranty, I think for four years. Four years from the first date of sale. Four so, years from the first date of sale so, for these butterfly so if keyboards. You, so, so, so if you bought a 2015 MacBook, then as of, you know, like uh, May 2019, April 2019, you will be able to get it repaired. But if you got like a, a, a 2015 MacBook in, you know, 2018, you're not going to get four years from that date. So it's, it's, four day, it's four years from whenever that particular model was first sold. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, I mean... yeah. Hopefully, for the 2018 ones, we'll have a new keyboard in four years. I mean, but yes, go I mean, on. I hope Marie. so. No, I, you're dead on. They the the bottom line here is that the the design needs to be fixed. And I just want to take a second and give Casey Johnson some huge props. Absolutely, I, I think it is not exaggeration to say Apple would not probably have brought this uh, repair program to fruition if she had not really owned this story and the space and had really uh, put public pressure on on the company. I think she's been very successful at that. That said, um, I don't think this is a, a particularly good solution for uh, MacBook owners at this point. Uh, as she points out in the article, uh, when you uh, your keyboard breaks, you take it into an Apple store after you get an appointment, which we all know takes a few days, sometimes a week, sometimes more, and then they're going to send it out for you know about five days out to a, to a facility to you know have it repaired and brought back to you. If you think about it, like the life of a you know the average MacBook is going to be what three four years tops. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that's a non-trivial amount of the life of your Mac where you're not going to have access to it. Uh, this also isn't going to you know re- it's not going to reimburse people like me that uh, were faced with repairs and just said I'm absolutely not paying that and end up buying a new machine. We are out mm. of luck. So. Uh, I think this is honestly too little, too late, but it's still better than it was. Uh, how do you feel, Christina? Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I mean, I think this is better than it was. I think that this, uh, as you said, I think that, that that Casey deserves a huge amount of credit to this because even though there had been reports and there were things on Twitter, she really owned the story. And more than that, I think that the virality, uh, because of the outline's continued coverage, kept it in the news. And even though there were plenty of um, people who are kind of trying to act as like the Apple Defense Squad. Um, this was this is one look, and, and and I defend Apple a lot. I think that, uh, that the company gets a lot of unfair criticism. This is not a case where they got unfair criticism, and in fact, I thought that some of the defenses were, you know, struck me as being really odd. Because if it were any other company, I don't think that those same individuals would be, you know, that uh, going out of their way to be that, you know, sympathetic. Um, I have a couple problems with it, with, with, with it as it stands now. One, as you said, you know, the real solution will be new models with a new design and, mm-hmm. and, and simply fixing the problem with, you know, still flawed product, you know, keyboards. That, that, yeah, that, that's, that's the thing is that they're going to break over right, and over again. You'll right, get it right. repaired for free, but. Well, you'll get it repaired the first time for free. There's no guarantee that say you have a 2015 MacBook and you get it repaired now that if it breaks in two years, you'll still get it covered again. That that's not clear. Yeah, that's fair. Um, the, the other thing, and, and, and I, this is historical of Apple's warranty process and I understand this, but since you've had this issue personally, Brie, I, I mm-hmm. do want to kind of bring it up. 
if you look at the terms of service, Apple is very clear and they say that if there are any other mechanical issues with your MacBook, yep. you have to get that repaired first out of your own pocket before they will do anything. The problem is, obviously, the only way to replace this at this point is to replace the entire second half of the machine. And since they will take anything if, if, if something's shipped, if something you know has like you know cosmetic damage, whatever, they'll take any sort of my fear is that that the company will will take an, a, an advantage of saying take advantage of saying oh well you've got this other flaw um and and that's going to prevent us from not charging you or, or, or that's going to prevent us from doing this this completely gratis and we're going to charge you a repair fee anyway even though the only way we can repair this is to also fix the cosmetic flaw or or the other issue um i understand like let's say you have like water damage if there's water damage and that's why your keyboard's not working or, you know, whatever, I get it. You you need to pay for that. Um, but it, it shouldn't be a, a sort of issue where if, if there's, you know, uh, some of these, I don't know, like, you know, slightly chipped or, or, or dinged the side of their MacBook. And now all of a sudden, um, you know, it's like, oh, well, there's a cosmetic issue here. And so even though we have to replace this entire lower half anyway, we're still going to charge you money like that. That's the problem. And it, what, what was what was your situation, Bree? Because you had some sort of issue where they made you pay even though it was under warranty. Uh, it was word for word exactly, exactly what you just said. Uh, I took my MacBook on a... Um, you know, it's so funny. I took it on a uh, trip to give a speech at a college, right? This is one of these trips I didn't do for a lot of money. And I happened to nick the edge of my MacBook on a counter while mm. I was setting it up. Not a big deal. Didn't affect the the look or operation of the machine at all. Just a little ding in the side uh, near the keyboard. And it's exactly as you said, uh, Christina. They uh, use that as an excuse to not fix the keyboard and to, like, say... To just say, yeah, we're not going to do this. This is not under warranty. We'll have to charge you to fix the entire bottom half of the computer. It's just crap, right? Like it's yeah. just crap. Uh, it's very user hostile. I so, want, yeah. I wonder yeah. what the situation will be now that this is policy. Because I would hope that somebody would see that that is it. That basically negates any benefit. I would, would hope think that they so. would ignore it. You would think so. And if this were Apple from five or six or seven years ago, I would say that you would be right. Um, I, I don't think that would, that's going to be the case now, especially since it is laid out in the fine print that if they find other problems, that those issues will have to be taken care of first. I mean, I, I suppose if you get nasty enough and argumentative enough, you might be able to convince them to say, well, you're going to be replacing all of this anyway. Don't charge me for it. This is clearly a cosmetic issue. It is not affecting the structural integrity of the machine at all. Uh, that said, I mean, you know, the fact that the, the the concession was released the way it was, which was a Friday afternoon at, you know, after four o'clock, you know, Barry kind of, to me, kind of says, you know, this isn't something that, that the company wants every person with a MacBook oh, to, to come in not. and do. <laughs> and, 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 you know, moreover, I mean, uh, and, and uh, Casey pointed this out in her piece too, you know, we don't really necessarily have any information on on how much faster or if they've been able to improve the, the the timeline and how long it takes for this to get repaired because the one of the problems with this isn't just that you have to take it in for repairs but you have to send it off 
Yep. You know, the whole thing has to be done. And so you're out of commission of machine. It's not just that you have to, you know, take in and go through that process, but like you're, you're without your machine for a few days. This is not, at least right now, something they can do in the store. And so I don't know. I a, a few years ago, I would have agreed with you and I would have said, clearly they'll do the right thing. And it's not that I feel like Apple as a company is not trying to do the right thing. I just think that as it's become a bigger and bigger enterprise, you know, um, it's it's about making money, and and so I don't know. I, I I wouldn't if I were if I were an individual, I wouldn't I wouldn't feel comfortable with that. That's going to be the case. Is all I'm saying. Do you think that because uh, like assuming that people do manage to get their keyboards fixed for free, uh, that's still pretty. That's that's a, a cost that Apple is absorbing. Do you think that we are going that that's a sign that we're going to get new MacBook? keyboards sooner rather than later in terms of like the hardware refresh do you I think that they'd know. be making this i guess financial uh <laughs> throwing money at this problem to keep people happy assuming knowing that a new macbook will soon be um, on the way to hopefully fix this i mean i think that if they hadn't already had plans of changing the keyboard they this would be indicates foolish. that they do <laughs> that being said I don't want to put any sort of prediction of when a redesign is going to happen. And I'm not convinced that this has necessarily pushed their redesign timetable forward faster, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I was really surprised they did not announce new MacBooks at WWDC. I was really surprised by that. I mean, it's there's clearly a demand for it. This is Definitely. a response to a public perception that this particular uh, MacBook model is broken. I think that, you know, this big bet on USB-C, we're a few years into it now. I think it's clear that's not the future that we have. And I think, like, there's some demand for legacy ports on there. Um, I just think, I, I think a lot of people are not buying this particular MacBook. And I just, I'm, I'm, I'm really surprised that they haven't brought something else forward. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I understand your perspective. I guess my, my thought was that if they were not going to change, I didn't feel like <laughs> they'd already changed the keyboard. Like yeah. that to me, like they hadn't, they didn't have the time to do that. And so if you were just going to release an upfront, a, a refresh with the same keyboard, yeah. I don't know what would be worse. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like not yeah. releasing anything versus releasing a, a spec update with no, you know, actual changes. But I don't know how long it's going to take them to do, you know, how, how or how significant the changes will be. I, I do anticipate that there will be a change with the keyboard. I don't know how significant it will be. Um, I, I think just that though want the, the new MacBook news. Yeah, no, same, same. I mean, it's actually, it, but, but it's weird though. I mean, it, your point about USB C, although I agree with you, I don't think we're going to go back. I think that. Really? No, I don't. I, yeah, I, I, think I agree that with they, Christina. I, 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 think, I think that that ship has sailed. And, and if, if anything else, and this is the sad part, you now have most of the other major manufacturers, if not fully embracing, at least partially embracing. Um, you know, it's t- taking uh, a, a page out of Apple's book there. Um, the, the one good thing I can say, the one thing I would like to see, this is the one frustration I have, is that whenever they update the MacBook, it needs to have Thunderbolt 3 and not just USB-C. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, because that is, at this point, going to become such an area of confusion for customers. I was... Um, uh, they're sending me one for for review, and so I'll, I'll have a review on the on Rocket. But I was looking at getting a Thunderbolt three dock, and and um, I, I settled on one from um, CalDigit. And uh, as I said, they're, they're going to send me one. But um, you know, the problem is, is that I can use that on my iMac and on my MacBook Pro. But if I have a MacBook or if I'm using um, a, a laptop that just has USB C, that dock won't work. 
Um, and even though the the ports are all the same, and even amongst USB C and Thunderbolt three, there are different. There's Gen one and Gen two, and different speeds and different. The whole thing is kind of a mess. But I, I as much of a mess as it is, I feel like that's now our reality. Kind of the same way that, eight, that you have like eight, it's kind of like how you have eighteen different you know uh, iterations of, of HDMI. And they all have yeah. the same connector, but you never know. Do I have HDMI arc? Do I have HDMI, <laughs> HDMI two? Do I have yes. H, you know? Do I have this? Like it, you don't know. The the, the cable's the same. I took three trips to Best Buy a few months ago trying to find the right no. HDMI connection that I have. Yeah, I think you're dead on. Um, I just I don't know. I I can accept that kind of limitation on my MacBook, right? Like I can accept the dongle. That is a sacrifice specifically made, so it can be small and portable and sure. light. I just can't accept it in a pro machine. But I mean, this is why if you look on Amazon, the 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 dock uh, connector parts that just hang off the side of your machine and That's interface so with ugly. that, they've gotten, yeah, they're ugly, but I mean, they've dropped in price massively mm. because they're apparently very popular. So Yeah, no, because if you're going to have one, you need it. I mean, that's the funny thing is that I have like no fewer than like four different dongle kits for my MacBook, um, which is one of the reasons why I was like, I just need a dedicated uh, dock, um, you know, and, and since I had a Thunderbolt 3 device, I might as well get a Thunderbolt 3 dock and actually have the full, you know, IO. But yeah, no, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm glad they're finally doing this. So I'm certainly not ready to give the company like, you know, a cookie though. You know what I mean? It's like, congratulations <laughs> yep. for doing the bare minimum of, of yep. what we would expect you to do, period. Yep. Like, I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> We're absorbing I, I, the costs for our mistakes. Okay. Yeah, no, totally. Um, that said, I will say this is, and this is probably a good point. If you are going to buy Apple Care in the future on a MacBook, or if you're getting the MacBook, you should definitely buy Apple Care because the new version, Apple Care Plus, is now what they call it, and it covers screen damage, water damage, and you know, like you nicking the side of yours, Brie, and it not having any uh, structural damage, but it having cosmetic issues. So for me, like as bad as it is, it's kind of like yet another reason to be like, it, always buy the Apple extended warranty because you know they're going to nickel and dime you over any little thing. And, and e- even if something is technically covered by their warranty, you could at least be like, well, if you have the Apple care plus, then, you know, they can't uh, refuse to fix your keyboard for you. So um, I didn't know that Christina. So Apple care plus, which they didn't have with my original MacBook, that will cover drop damage and yes. stuff like that within reason. Wow. Yes. Yeah. That's a new thing. So I think it was last year. Cause I was able to get it on my MacBook uh, or excuse me, my iMac. And I was shocked. Wow. I was like, Oh, Okay, mm-hmm. so yeah, you know the 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 amount the 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 number of of incidents you can have with that sort of thing with broken screen or water damage or whatever is limited, and and just like with the iPhone, there might be like you have to pay like a certain amount if you're getting it repaired under those circumstances. But yeah, that's a new thing they introduced quietly and it wasn't widely reported. So if you're buying something now, like if you're buying a new MacBook, if you're buying a new MacBook Pro, if you're buying a new iMac, get the Apple Care Plus um, yeah. just to to have all your bases covered and. Um, Period. I mean, I, I I always get it on on my Apple products just because the repairs are so expensive. I don't necessarily get it on on other, um, you know, uh, manufacturers things. But on Apple stuff, even though I haven't really used it always, I always get it because I'm paranoid. And if I'm spending that much money on something, I want to know that it'll be repaired. I, I like knowing this. What, Thank you. I, it, last thing I'll say on this, like, I guess that's what makes the keyboard thing hard to swallow to a certain yes. extent because I mean. Christine, think back five years ago. Think about the confidence you had in Apple back then. Yep. If you bought a Mac and something went wrong on it, that they would treat you well in the store, that they would treat you fairly, that they would like 
get a repair done and they would, you wouldn't walk away feeling like, you know, you've been to a used car dealer. Totally. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And today, I I think that's why it made me so angry, this MacBook, because I did get Absolutely. Apple Care on it. I did try to follow the rules. I do buy Apple stuff all the time. And I think it's that loss of confidence that you're going to be treated well. And even yep. in a base, best case scenario here, you're still going to have to send your computer off for five days of not having it. Um, yeah, I don't know about YouTube, but I can't go professionally five days without a computer. So. No way. No, me either. I mean, I mean, somebody on my team, uh, Jessica, she had an issue with hers right before the thing was announced and, and she was under warranty. So she was like, well, at least I'm covered. But she had to go, you know, bring in her 2017 MacBook, her main development machine and, and send it off. And it was not a great, you know, thing. But it's, it's like she had the ability to get other computers in a pinch. But a lot of people don't have that. And even then, it's yeah. not like she had her main machine. You yeah. know, I mean, to me, it's almost like, I, they should have a certain number of refurb devices the same way they do with iPhones. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and do, you know, if this is a common enough thing and if you've got a stock model, I get it. If it's a built to order model, it might be different, whatever, swap it out, you know, like may, do it, do, do a backup in the store or, or instruct the customer to make their own backup at home and, and swap out the machine. Like that's, that's, and, and then, you know, send the, the broken one into re into repair and then have that as a refurb one to offer people. Like to me, that seems like, a much uh, more customer-centric approach. I, I get that that might not always scale in all locations, but at least in your major cities, you should have some of those available because you're right. I mean, it, you're, you're asking an awful lot of people who've spent an awful lot of money on your machines um, to have to give up for something that, by all accounts, appears to have been a design problem. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. I this agree. episode of Rocket is brought to you by Linode. With Linode, you'll have access to a suite of powerful hosting options with prices starting at $5 a month. And you'll be up and running with your own virtual server in the Linode cloud in under a minute. Linode offer industry-leading performance with native SSD storage, a 40 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They now have a 10 data centers spread across the world, meaning you can serve your customers even quicker than before. They have an API that allows you to easily automate tasks or develop custom applications in the cloud. And everything is manageable via the command line. All of Linode's pricing tiers feature hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups and node balancers. So Linode has fantastic pricing options available. Their plans start at just one gigabyte of RAM for only $5 a month, and they offer high memory plans starting with 16. And as a listener of this show, of course, if you go to linode.com rocket, you will support us here at Rocket, but you'll also get $20 towards any Linode plan. So on the one gigabyte plan, that's four free months. And there's a seven-day money-back guarantee, so there's nothing to lose. Let me remind you that you'll be up and running with your own virtual server in under a minute. That how many minutes are in seven days? <laughs> it's like it's like plus. It's free plus. It's like more than <laughs> free. You're spending <laughs> negative money. You're actually you are getting spending negative money. money. You are, and 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 if you if you use our code, like you said, you get four months free on the basic Whoa. plan. 
And and I have to tell uh, that we did not plan this. The Bree and, and Simone don't know that I'm sharing this, but I actually have a Linode story um, of an actual thing that I did with the with the Linode VPS. What? Um, I uh, I set up a, a a VPN so that uh, I could um, access TV in New York. <laughs> wow, you loser! That is I hard for. It was very easy to do. It was really quick. I was able to use a Docker uh, uh, image that I that I found on Docker Hub and and just uh, use uh, Linode's uh, great Docker support so that I didn't have to you know do a whole other configuration thing. And uh, no, it's it's worked really well, and that's how I'm able to watch um, a TV uh, via my authenticated table that I pay for on uh, on the West Coast, but at East Coast times. You are a mad woman. You were amazing. Uh, mad woman or America's greatest hero ever, <laughs> Simone. <laughs> so go to linode.com slash rocket. That's L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash rocket to learn more. Sign up. Take advantage of the $20 credit. Or you can use the promo code rocket2018 at checkout uh, if you don't go to that vanity URL. So that's rocket2018 this year. All right. Thank you so much, Linode, for supporting Rocket and Relay FM. Wow. I can't believe you did that. That's so I brilliant, did. Christina. So awesome. I, I did. And it was, I'm losing my mind over this. <laughs> yeah. Is it not? And it was funny because I purposely, because I, I, I do have a number of accounts with a number of different like VPS places, but I, I purposely did it on Linode so that I like could talk about it uh, the next time that we had an ad break. That and is it was, amazing. it was a very easy situation and, and the, the performance has been great. So this is like genuine, like off the cuff, like not paid to say it thing I actually did anecdote so good oh stuff God. thank you awesome. thank you all right we're sticking on the mac train here and talking about the mojave or it it, it is mojave right that's it is mojave. Mo- yes. okay i wasn't yes <laughs> i got freaked out that i was pronouncing it wrong somehow just i know i've heard it said before we talked about it like two weeks ago anyway the developer beta <laughs> it's out right now so people have been experiencing it uh our setnica has a right and, and the public beta is now out too yes yes sorry the public beta yes so our setnica's review is of the developer beta and then jason snell also wrote about the uh the public beta yes anyway I'm excited. Doesn't matter what they did. Uh, a few exciting features coming here. And we all know the one that I'm most excited about is dark mode. Okay. Honestly, okay. Someone explain janky. this to me. Can someone explain to me why people care about dark mode? I don't I understand I don't like that. to look at the white backgrounds. Have you put because Twitter app beautiful. in dark mode, Brie? I, I'm sorry, what was that? Have you put the Twitter app in dark mode on your phone? Yeah, like sometimes by accident, and I'm like, ooh, huh. this is terrible. And then uh, I, I, wow. I, I, I just don't understand it. I, I don't. Okay, do do I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's because like Simone and I spend a lot of time in like Adobe apps. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. are dark. Yeah. and Or if you're they in Final Cut or Logic or whatever. Yeah, but they've yeah. been dark for a while. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I, I'm excited. I like the darkness. I like it. I love I it. I mean, I can I can see it like if you're trying to go to bed at night. And, I'm always like, trying don't... to go to bed, Brie. <laughs> okay, well that's true. <laughs> like so, the the rays of your iMac don't like fry your brain and keep you up even later. I I I mean, I'm happy for you. I'm not against this mode. It's just it's a very it's a high tax to put on a developer to like you know add this whole new mode and redo their 
AI, maybe change Which icons. Which is kind of what I they're mean, finding yeah. because uh, Jason yeah. Snell mentions uh, that, of course, it is app-specific, like Finder can be dark, but apps haven't necessarily adapted yet. And also in the mail client, yeah. the UI is dark, but then if you have an HTML-heavy email, that still appears uh, with a white background and black text or whatever color text it has. So it right. sounds like there are still there's still a lot of work to be done, not on like developer sides to adapt to that. Yeah, my favorite one is is in Ars Technica, uh, uh, Samuel Axon, uh, my former coworker from a million years ago. Hi, Sam. Uh, he uh, points out the bootcamp assistant, which is in a dark mode. If in dark mode, it's like <laughs> ineligible, like it, or illegible rather. So oh, like no. it has like the it has the dark stuff, but then it's got like white text. But then, and that that was ported over, but like the background in the actual UI thing is still white. So it's like white text on white background. Oh, and, wait. and And yeah, which is really funny. My favorite uh, dark mode problem that I saw was actually somebody's uh, picture of app icons, I think, or website icons, favicons. So uh, Apple's was basically invisible, like that gray apple on the black background. And then Washington Post has their black icon, but there's white like in between the letters, like they didn't punch it out properly. Like it's not, it's a JPEG it's like not instead of a transparent PNG. or whatever. Yeah. The transparency that's... is flawed. It looks so nasty. Uh-huh. So unpleasant surprises, but they but amuse it's me. Like, it's like so puberty. I win in the like end. it's trying to grow up, Simone. It's going to take a while exactly. for it it's to a reach beta. This is, yeah. it's oh, a I don't, I don't blame yeah. anyone for this. I'm <laughs> loving every step of it. You know that I love it when things are messy and gross. <laughs> and, 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 exactly. And, and, and in the in the words of, of Alex Kranz from Gizmodo, a friend of the of the show, uh, she uh, she had a tweet a few weeks ago um, when she was, I guess, looking at the, one of the betas, and she's like, "My blogs are beautiful now." And it was it was of uh, I guess like Safari and what what her <laughs> stuff looked like. She was like, "My blogs are beautiful now," and was, that's all I can think about whenever I think of dark mode. Mm. Is my blogs okay. are beautiful now? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm I'm happy for your dark mode. Thank I you. hope you will re- I hope you will reciprocate that happiness. Because I am ecstatic about stacks. This is the oh, feature yeah, that I've stacks, wanted. Stacks. I take about nine trillion screenshots. Sometimes it's like, I can't believe this person just sent me this email and I like show it to my whole team. I, I have screenshots upon screenshots. I would oh, guess yeah. like and and I want it just to stack somewhere. Oh yeah, no, me all, too. Yeah. But but yeah. why don't you just change the location of where your screenshots are saved? Well, I could do that. But then it's like, she'll have you know, a hell folder full of screenshots and she'll forget right. about it. No, right. it's called You're, screenshots and it lives inside your Dropbox, which lives Christina, inside like, I have that folder. folder and it's a bad place. It's I a mean, scary uh, bad place. You're not wrong. I have I have a screenshots folder for my time at Mashable. It's like seven gigabytes. I mean, it's like, so you've got Slack open, right? And somebody's like, you're like, and you see that screenshot and you're like, oh, I've got to show this to Chris. And then you just drag it down because it's right there on your desktop and you can do it. I like that. And then you archive the older screenshots in yeah. the, the yes. screenshot folder. I mean, I I mean, yeah. look, I, 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 I'm excited about stacks. I just am not someone who has screenshots <laughs> all over my desktop because what I do instead, because I'm insane, is that, as I said, I have the, the custom location set. But then I have, um, I, I use Default Folder X. I have an app called Default Folder X by St. Clair Software, which is an amazing app. And what it does is it adds additional things to the Finder menu so that you can set a default saving place 
with if you're in inside a specific application. So like every time you're in Photoshop, it'll automatically go one place. Every time you're in Safari or Chrome or whatever, it'll, it'll go another. And it overwrites some of the defaults. You can also immediately access folders, like favorite folders really easily. But one of the things that it has is that you can basically assign a key command to open up a folder anytime, any place. So I yes. have a key command for my... So I have, a, I have a command for my screenshots folder because again, this is a folder I access so often that I have a key command that will just pull it up. You are such a power user. Okay, but what about this use case? I know I'm not the only person that does this. So we've been printing a ton of materials for my campaign lately. And by the way, you haven't lived until you've actually had like a trunk full of like yard signs with your name on it to hand out to people. That's kind of awesome. So when you're designing that, and do you know when like you get the Photoshop file and like you're ready to export it and you drag it to your desktop and you're emailing it and showing it to people and you, you label it final and then it's like Brianna Wu yard side final final and then it's like Brianna Wu yard side final final two. Now I can get all of those iterations. It will stack all those PSDs in oh, one totally. stack that I can see all of it right there. I, I mean, I'm yeah, very no, I, excited. I, I I'm very excited. I, I'm excited too. Even though I, I like, I'm, I'm an OCD type person. That if there's anything on my desktop other than drive icons, and I know some people don't like to have drive icons visible. I actually do because then I, I, I just like to know that. But anything else I don't like, but I am happy that this is, this is becoming a thing. And I'm awesome. I'm kind of jealous in some aspects because I, I do like the animation stuff of all the yeah. stacks. So yeah. the way it works is you right clicking on the desktop or double clicking on the desktop or double finger clicking on the desktop and clicking stacks and it automatically sorts all the files by type. It is very cool happens right before your eyes uh, as a person so i christina i am becoming like you i am i am on the train to being a person who has absolutely nothing on her desktop and i'm really looking forward to it um but i do Animals. like when i just save something like a picture from the internet or something i'll often put it there first before moving it to another folder so i do end up like accruing stuff and then kind of sorting it out to its various destinations so i am very excited to be able to just kind of boop stack it <laughs> stack it all like the other night i downloaded probably 20 pictures of glorious bonson and do you know what i would have liked to do with those <laughs> stack uh, them no, tell me. put them in a stack yeah put them in a stack all right christina what, are, what feature are you most excited for Okay, so dark mode, I'm definitely excited about that. I'm also excited about the improved the improvements to Quick Look, which is, in my opinion, one of the best features that OS X has ever had. Uh, excuse me, Mac OS. Um, and so that debuted with Leopard um, 10 years ago and almost 11 years ago. And that's the feature where when you press the space bar on an icon and find or aware of it, it'll give you a preview of whatever's happening. And now it, it's getting back some features that it used to have. So back in the day, you used to be able to install Quick Look plugins like the people would make that would give it more capabilities. And then Apple is slowly but surely kind of backed off on the letting people do that. But there's some enhanced Quick Look things so you can do more stuff in Quick Look. And then there's also some like more, they've added some kind of automator action type of stuff to things that you can do um, within Finder, which uh, which excites me because as you pointed out, I'm the power user. So I, that's the stuff that I like. They're, uh, they're actually going to make this so you can search within Finder uh, for exact metadata within your files. And that's not just like tagging files with metadata, but like for a camera, like you could go into EXIF settings for a lot, a lot of uh, your pictures and search for specific settings 
and get that from there. So this is, it's like you said, Christina, this is a huge, huge, huge upgrade. I think this is going to make like, I use CoverFlow when I'm looking at music, but there's really no other circumstance mm-hmm. where I do. And yeah. all of this, uh, I think this is a really, I, I agree with you. This is the best finder upgrade since Quick Look. I absolutely agree. So one of the things you'll be able to do is, add markup or, uh, for example, trim audio and video. And that Mm -hmm. is going to work wonderfully in tandem with the new screenshots tool, which is kind of breaking out. Like I have always used screen recording as part of QuickTime, but that's going to be an option in screenshots now. So you, if you are say recording your screen, you can trim that just in quick look and then you'll have your perfect video. I am I am actually, I am enthused about a lot of the, uh, not like over the moon enthused, but I'm enthused about the new screenshot functions, like being able to toggle like whether your pointer, your mouse pointer is visible in the screenshot or not. Because there are so many times <laughs> when I'm like trying to show like the me pointing to something on the screen. And of course, the the pointer is not visible in the screenshot. And I'm like, ugh. Darn it. So that, that's you know a cool what I think, Simone? I think the Polygon audience wants to experience the full Simone pointing experience. They like, do. That's yeah, your I've art. always wanted it. They've demanded it. Art. And now they can have yeah. it. Yeah. You should you should just give them all of your pointing. I'm, I'm trying. Saying. So yeah, more <laughs> granular screenshot tools. <laughs> and more granular Simone pointing. I've also been really surprised with uh, Apple's commitment to uh, kind of resurrecting Automator, right? Yeah, like, yeah no, they, they, it's, it's like they lay off Saul. So Saul right? now works at Omni and is doing amazing things there. But they lay off like Mr. Automator. And yet then they come back not just with Workflow, uh, which is going to be whatever it's called um, in iOS, uh, uh, shortcuts or whatever. Uh, is it, kind of like the next you know iteration of Workflow. But then they're like bringing more stuff to Mac OS, which look, Make no mistake, I am so here for it, but I'm also a little shocked. <laughs> yeah, it's surprising. And some of this, I mean, what I like about Mojave is it's it really feels like this is an update aimed at power users more yep. than anyone in quite a while. Yes. Like, uh, you know, the Ars Technica goes into this. A really good example of how Automator is now tied in the Finder is if you are a photographer and you repeatedly put watermarks on uh, your images, now you can customize a button in Finder to go through and do that for you. And, you know, that's, I mean, writing a script out to do that, it's not hard, but it certainly, you know, that's something that, like, my husband is not going to do, but Christina Warren might. So yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, I think that's that's a really, really great uh you know, technology at Apple's really doubling down on. That is extremely yeah, no. cool. Yeah, no, I'm excited about it. And I also feel like, yeah, no, like it matters a lot because a lot of us for years have kind of complained, rightfully so, I think, about kind of the, um, you know, fact that Mac hasn't had a lot of attention. I think that's why so many of us are frustrated by the new MacBooks is that we feel like you don't care about us anymore. You just care about these iPhone users and and sorry, no matter what uh, uh, Federico and, and Jason Snell say, and I love them both very much, uh, an iPad Pro is not going to replace my MacBook. It's nope. just not. Um, nope. for, for certain people's workflow, it can. For mine, it, it absolutely cannot, will not. It's just not possible. And uh, and even if it was, I don't know if I would enjoy it. Like, you know what I mean? Like to me, they're yeah. just different. Ty- they're just different types of machines. 
But um, and and you know, and I've 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 written this over the years. Oh, Apple finally cares about the Mac again, and and then it's kind of shown over time. It's like, ah, eh, but do they really? But this feels like in a way that past updates haven't. We're we're actually getting new features, or at the very least, like I said, in the case of Quick Look, you know, being given old features again. Hang on, uh, whose music is that? Sorry about that. I hit the wrong button. <laughs> I, 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 I thought that was like intentional. I was like, oh, that's like a nice like Pollyanna. Like, it, oh. will, it will lead into the next topic. I was checking yeah, something. Uh, Sorry. But, but, Sorry, yeah, no, no, no problem. Yeah. But no, but I was just going to say like it does actually feel like for the first time in a long time, you know, they care again. And, and that's very exciting. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm really that's good to know that if I play a video in the middle of the show, you're going to be able to hear it now. <laughs> with my new machine <laughs> settings. That's good to know. Uh, what I was checking is if my favorite game of all time, Peggle, uh, is in 32-bit mode or if it's 64-bit mode. And oh. it's in 32-bit mode. And uh, this leads us into... Mac OS. Right. So this is really the... This is the, the thing we all need to be thinking about. This is the last stop for 32-bit apps. So, you know, I will be able to carry it through this time. But this is the end for all 32-bit apps like Peckle Knights uh, and PopCap. Like, they're on, you know, like, they're not developing Peckle games the way that they used to. Right. Uh, or really any games the way no, that they used to. No, you're right. It, no, yeah. it, it's it's going to be interesting because obviously Peggle is one. There's there's a the QuickTime Pro Seven that there is still oh, some. Oh no, the I didn't of. even think about that. Yes. Yeah, because I, I think Jason. There were there a couple. Of, Jason saw a couple of other people who were like talking about that. There are a few other games. My hope is, and and this is kind of my plan for the few apps, the Peggles of the world that might you know for whatever the the, the version after Mojave is, is that you know what, just uh, get a virtual machine and just yeah. run an old an old version of, of, of Mac OS. I mean, I think about the reason I use QuickTime 7. So when you export uh, a frame, like render from Maya, and Maya is like a $5,000 program, by the way. So that's non-trivial to go just <laughs> buy the latest version of it. Right. But when I do that, it exports it to some, I forget, some weird Windows-like format so for me to see it on a Mac, I have to pull it into QuickTime 7, Interesting. Which, which will use it and spit that out. I'm not saying that, like that's an edge case anyone else is going to have. I'm just saying that's the kind of weird no, you're right. things and, that are going to come you, up you, and it's going to no, be No, you're right. You're right. And yeah. I, th- I think games are going to be more common for people. That said, I mean, QuickTime 7, things like that notwithstanding. Although here is what is interesting. Because you would have thought the fact that they've basically given up QuickTime 7, which fair or whatever. Uh, you would have thought like that the, the DVD app would not have been updated, um, which now talk about making people angry, and I would have been one of them. But the DVD app actually has been updated. Yeah, oh. Wow. So good, what, good for Apple on that one. What machine even has a DVD today? Uh, wow. None, but you can get an external Blu-ray if you're okay. someone like me and wants to... Well, because what if you want to bl- <sighs> rip your Blu-rays, Brie, so that you can put them on your NAS? Sure. Uh you I paint a strange world, Christina Warren, but I appreciate no, you. Should you should do this. Handbrake. You've got to do that. You've got you to do. archive exactly. your collection. And, exactly. Yeah. So how so how else am I going to use Handbrake without a, a uh, you know, a, 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 an external Blu-ray player? 
you're not going to. So, um, and, and, and the DVD app, you know, is it's nice that it still works. Just in the event that you do want to use your beautiful 5K iMac screen to play something. You can't play back the Blu-ray stuff. You've got to use VLC for that. But if you wanted to have a regular DVD and, and view it in, in 5K and have it up converted or whatever, I, I don't know. I'm just saying. I, it's not a frequent thing I use. I was just happy that they did, in fact, update the app. Um, no, but it's. I think games are going to be the big thing. The only thing I will say yeah. in yeah. Apple's defense here it's been 10 years. Mm. So honestly, since they first started doing 64 bit. So, I mean, I think they've, I think they've given more than adequate time to every developer out there who still cares about, you know, that sort of thing to update their code, you know, and, and, and if PopCap doesn't want to, to, to do it or whoever bought PopCap, I think it was EA, perhaps, you know that the app is so old at this point that that someone will be able to find a way to you know pummel it through Xcode <laughs> and uh, and update it and and then and then release a patched version for for the fans out there. I don't know. Do you have any final thoughts about Mojave? Uh, I just I want to say I'm really excited about this version of this. This is this is this is what Mac OS uh, users want to see. Um, yep. I, I guess my last thing is like, is anyone here going to take the risk of installing this on their machine? Cause no. I'm sure not. No. Nope. Okay. <laughs> nope. So I, here's the, here's what I did. Yeah. Not on my main machine or yeah. not my day to day thing. So on my work computer, I did actually just put a, a small partition, uh, cause it has like a 500 gigabyte, um, SSD. So I just gave it like, um, a 60 gig partition and put it on that just to play around with it. You are such a power. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I Just literally a did partition. this. I, oh, I know. I know. Well, no, I did it. You were playing Beyonce's partition as you. Oh, totally. No, <laughs> I did it on partition. Tuesday. It was one of those things like I uh, I wasn't going to do the dev beta, even though I'm, I'm a dev and I, you know, I, I paid to be part of the Apple program. So I could have had the, the dev thing. I, I waited for the public beta. I was like, we'll see. And then I was, you know, telling my, my, my coworkers in Slack and like the, the Mac channel, I was like. All right, don't put it on your machine yet. It's not not ready from prime time, but it's pretty cool. You know, I'm checking out various things with it, oh, and uh, and everyone's basically their response was basically like yours, Simone. Everybody's just kind of like <laughs> no, rolling I, their eyes to a I certain extent. It. Yeah, you're what great. Did you think of the, what did you think of Marco's criticism the other day on Twitter, where he was talking about how it really feels people that do install this that you're kind of doing Apple's work for them and they oh, take yeah. all those bug reports really seriously for like, you know, the couple of months weeks. around release yeah. and then they just, you file a radar and it doesn't get acted on. That certainly backs up my experience. Oh yeah. No, mine yours. too. Yeah. No, mine too. And I, and look, I know that a lot of people who work at Apple really care. I, 1000% and, and that they really want to have things like, you know, that, that they, that they want to do things and that software development is hard. And that sometimes you just have to say like, all right, you know, I, we have to stop, you know, it's going to be, you know, breakers only at a certain point. Like I 1000% understand. Um, having said that, um, I, I do sometimes feel like, you know, people are being, are asking, like, especially when people are like, oh, well, you know, the, what you should do is, um, you know, the only way to, uh, if you're having problems, you better follow those radars. This is the one time of year people pay attention. I feel like that's kind of, that's kind of gross. It's like, no, mm. you know, yeah, if, if you're, yeah. if you're a billion dollar company that 
make no mistake, it's great that people can file bugs, but that shouldn't be your only QA thing. Like, and, 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 and I don't feel like it should be a developer's or user's job to feel like they're doing QA. That said, you know, and I do feel like this is one of the good things with the public beta. They do make it really easy when there's like a, a an issue where something crashes, you know, to, to you know, let, let that be known. And, and I think that's a, a good thing to get that sort of user feedback. Um, but it, it does feel a little bit uh, wrong to me for, for the response to be like, oh, well, you better, you know, make sure you file everything now because this is the one time a year they pay attention. It's like, yeah, a, we know fair. that's not true. But the fact that, that we can even kind of like feel like that's reality, even if we know it's not, is a problem. I, I do. And I know we got to move on to the last topic, but it is... It is true that there's no QA team that can completely catch every kind of bug and all these different kinds of machines. Like you could do it in the NES era where it was like one hardware thing that you're releasing right. and then do it. And the truth is there are some bugs that can only come up when you release things into the wild. Oh, totally. But this is on a yearly upgrade cycle. And, you know, I think it's... I do think there are members of the public that feel that, you know, maybe we're we're doing a bit more of the work than is fair sometimes. So mm-hmm. there it is. Well, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Skillshare. Oh, Skillshare yeah. is an online learning community with over 20,000 classes in technology, design, business, and more. A Skillshare premium membership gives you unlimited access to high-quality classes, leaving you free to master must-know topics. It's a great way to improve your skills, unlock new opportunities, and help you do the work that you love. So some examples of courses you could take, uh, Fundamentals of DSLR Photography. This is an introductory photography class uh, to just get you up to speed on using a DSLR camera, um, the, the functions of the camera and photography skills. I'm I'm very interested in that because DSLR cameras have always intimidated me. We got like a, a really quick tutorial on using not a DSLR. Yeah, actually, yeah, a DSLR camera at work, like before we went to E3. And I like I feel like I would benefit from the sort of <laughs> having having the time, you know, to go through a class on my at my own speed without anyone watching me because um, <laughs> obviously they're like not it's not rocket science but it's also one of those things that you kind of want to take the time to get familiar with um so that's a class you could take uh you could take a class about uh ux and ui design essentials you can learn the principles of making great online experiences and see how you can use those skills to dramatically improve users' interactions with your product. That seems like something that would be useful e- even if you're not actually like on a UX or UI design team, but if you're sort of working with people who do that, uh, uh, like in a company where you have to interface with people so you can understand what they're going through. Um, I'm a fan of of smoothing over relations between different teams of people by giving base knowledge <laughs> of each other's occupations. I think there are very occupations. few programmers out there that would not benefit from knowing a bit more about UX and UI. Oh, for that sure. Would be a good thing. Well, you can join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for Rocket listeners. You can get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. And 99 cents. You can do that by going to Skillshare.com slash rocket. 
That's again, S-K-I-L-L-S-H-A-R-E.com slash rocket to get two months of unlimited access to over 20,000 classes. I just named two of them. There are 20,000 of them for only 99 cents. So head there now wow. and start learning today. Yeah. Thank you, Skillshare, for your support of Rocket. I'm going to write them up and I'm going to say, can I teach a class in Peggle? Because I've played like Please, probably totally. 4,000 hours of Peggle. I need like your support. Teach you, I will teach everyone the insider knowledge of that game. I hope that you do. I will. I will. <laughs> All right. Dessert o'clock. Not really dessert so much as <laughs> just more kind of... Some thorny ethical questions. Uh, Laura Hudson <laughs> wrote a great piece at The Verge uh, about something that happened recently where Stephen Miller, uh, the White House advisor's cell number, was leaked uh, on Twitter, which resulted in Twitter taking extremely fast action and then people sharing the number and then getting banned for sharing the number and then people saying, well, is we don't support doxing. Was it right for Stephen Miller to be doxed? Like, if we do that, then what? What? what is the truth? What are the laws? And she wrote a wonderful piece essentially about... That that's that question itself is beside the point. The point is, Twitter saw that this was happening and took extremely fast mm-hmm. and aggressive actions to stop it from happening. But people still continue to struggle with the question of what is hate yep. speech on this platform? What is a bannable offense on this platform? Um, what are the words that are okay to use and not to use? So right. the question, and, and, yeah, and, and and also, I mean, I think the bigger thing is that. Twitter, when forced, can obviously act very quickly if it's for someone like Stephen Miller, but why can't they do that for other people? Mm -hmm. And she also brought up the question of, like, when Donald Trump, specifically in his Twitter, targets someone, is the Twitter does nothing, but... Twitter did something when people targeted Stephen Miller. So uh, who who do the rules apply to? Because they do seem to clearly favor people who have a lot of power. Yeah, yeah. I mean, insert in, in the Oprah, what is truth, GIF, right here. What is the truth? <laughs> I mean, for, for, look for, at... that great Lindsay Lohan show, love look it. At, look at Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I mean, I don't think she added anyone, uh, the Hen Restaurant, for that, but she certainly sent so many waves of harassment at them. They had to like basically shut down the Yelp page. I got, I, what was it? Like 20,000 reviews, I think in some Something article like I read on that. I mean, I can tell you for an absolute fact as someone who has worked with Twitter and talked to Twitter and reported a lot of this stuff, using your account specifically send harassment at people is absolutely a terms of service violation. And the Trump administration does this all the time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for that matter, there are people on the left that do this all the time, but they happen to be high profile uh, people. So I do think that there's a, a certain sense here of, um, you know, different rules for different people. Yeah, no, without a doubt. And uh, I, yeah, the one thing that I kind of look, if you want to ban people for doxing, for, for spreading this phone number, whatever, fine. The, the issue I had was if you're merely linking to a website that does it, yep. like if you're merely retweeting Splinter or you are including the Splinter link, that's when I'm like, okay, hold up, hold up. Like yeah. that's, that to me goes way too far. If the content of the tweet itself says something, 
fine. But if you're now going to start to say, and, and I would say this for anybody, and I, I, this would go even for people who I, I don't dislike who were docs, honestly, I, I feel like that's crossing a line where you're now saying we are going to investigate the content behind this hyperlink. And if it violates something that we think if, we, if, it, if there's something behind the, this content of this hyperlink that we have a problem with, we're going to ban you or, 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 or you know, put you in, in timeout or whatever. I actually have a problem with that, like significantly. Like I have a massive problem with that. I was just going to say it shows such a, a great reach of ability that they haven't demonstrated in other cases when people have needed help. So why now? Like why, why the hypocrisy? Well, I, I, it- and I just uh, I want to return to what you were saying, Christina, that I, I also think that's very uncomfortable, especially when it's a, a reputable, well, you know what I mean? Like, this is a news organization that is not fringe. Like, this isn't mm-hmm. a blog, right? So saying we're not going to allow that to be shown, uh, that makes me uncomfortable. But to answer your question, Simone, it's like uh, the answer is very simple. Uh, the Trump administration is very vindictive. And, you know, something, a Noam Chomsky quote that really shaped my understanding of systems is you can always expect institutions of power to act in their own self-interest, always, Mm -hmm. always, always, just expect it. And here with Twitter, it's really easy to imagine them internally being scared of the wrath of Donald Trump and acting very quickly to do this. So I... I personally made this just cynicism. I interpret this as not, you know, some ethical move for Twitter. I interpret it as them going, oh my God, we don't want them aiming all this garbage at us. So maybe I'm wrong. I don't think you're wrong. (laughs) No, I don't don't think so either. I mean, I would just point out, this isn't the first time we've seen this. I mean, there was a thing that, that we'd found out uh, on Gizmodo and then, uh, other people found it too that if you if you tweeted certain things to at POTUS or you know the vice POTUS or whatever, um, then then you could immediately be put in in timeout and be be, be like kind of shadow banned. And and I, I created a number of um, uh, fake accounts and, and and tweeted you know f you uh, at those accounts to prove that it happened. And when I got on the phone with people at Twitter, they were like, "Well, you shouldn't say that. That has harassment." I'm like, "You're not wrong." But, you know, <laughs> me saying this to any other account isn't going to result in an Insta thing. But yet at those accounts, yep. it is. And they, and yet they wouldn't, they wouldn't confirm to me, oh, yeah, we're, we're doing it for those things only. And I was like, yeah, but see, this looks like this is what's happening. You know, so, yeah. How many I, I, people I, I, say F you on Twitter every single pers- day? And exactly. And, 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 right. But, but yet all of a sudden, if it's, if it's at a certain account, you're like, okay, hold up. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they want to protect their power users, which, all right, fine. But but be, can you be transparent about that? Also, if you're going to do that, you don't really get if you if you have the the technology to do it for these certain things. You, to me, the argument that says we don't have the power to do it more broadly, does, yeah. it falls apart. Yeah, what is the monetary gain for them if they? Uh, I guess aside from that, it would take more resources, even if they have the power, it would take more resources. What do they gain from allowing, continuing to allow Twitter to be so difficult? You mean why? Well, yeah, I mean, I guess. Uh, In terms you know, of not I, applying I, those those <laughs> draconian measures universally. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I think that there's probably some internal, I, I, this is just me completely guessing here, I would guess that there's probably some internal disagreement about what sort of actions they should take. Mm-hmm. And and some people feel like they should be more active and some people feel like they're less. And and for whatever reason, it's just decided, okay, well, with certain high-priority accounts that could be the cause for embarrassment, we'll, we'll take action uh, and then just kind of pretend like it doesn't necessarily happen with anyone else. I mean, you know, it, with which is, of course, what we've all seen. If you're verified and you report someone, it's much more likely that that report will be taken seriously than if a non-verified person reports the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, you've, it's like you've got to cause a stink about something oftentimes for things to happen. And, and you know, that just sadly is the reality. I mean, they, they also this week announced that you know, for the first time, finally, they're going to actually require people to verify their phone number and email that they enter when they sign up, which, I mean, this this is shocking to me. It's like, uh, it, the email thing, it, it's still going to be trivial for people to create a bajillion fake accounts because all you need to do is have a domain name that you then have, a, a, a you know, anything alias set up mm-hmm. for. And, and you can create accounts to your heart's content until, unless Twitter makes the decision to to block a domain um, which, you know, depending on on how common it is or whatever might not happen. But it seems insane to me that that wasn't a required thing until now. Like you would think, okay, we have people creating hundreds of thousands of bot accounts to do all kinds of different things. And we're not putting even the most basic measures in place, like requiring someone to verify their phone number or email. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why they kind of found themselves in this mess. Like they have, there's no company that has as much technical debt with their product as Twitter, right? Like I once read an article about the, you know, the move from, uh, you know, to their new backend for the modern platform. And it's like the stuff they're trying to fix now, it's stuff that could have been addressed so much more easily, like five years ago, certainly 10 years ago. And, yeah, here we are with it. Ah, it's a mess. Yeah. I so last thing I want to say on this is I I do feel like I have to say as someone that's had my phone number spread and has had to deal with hundreds upon hundreds of calls including death threats. Um, you know, it it's it's kind of a hard line because as a public figure you're certainly opening yourself up to a certain amount of public criticism. Like I did an event last week and I had to deal with a, a woman kind of being very rude to me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what you sign up for, right? Sure. Absolutely. But at, the, at the same time, it's like, I, I feel like too many people took the wrong lesson from Gamergate that there are bad targets and that's not true it's that they're they're bad tactics Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and personally i i i could understand the argument that you know stephen miller is a particular case because of his extreme immigration policy he's put forward and yet maybe dealing with some public blowback is appropriate i am empathetic to that view but i think in all, I'm I'm very against like doxing people and, oh, yeah. and doing that, and um, I I would just say it's it's very stressful when it happens to you. Definitely, so, yeah. No, and I, I I agree with you. My only comment on that again, it, I think it's completely fine to 
ban people or put them time out, whatever, who are sharing the phone number on Twitter. Where I draw the line is by merely linking to a website that has made that decision yep. for you to then be that 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 is where I draw the line. I feel like, and I and and sadly, I, I I have to be honest, I would feel the same way with someone that I liked. Yeah, you know, I, I just I but but, but I'm with you because just because just because I feel like that overextends Twitter's control. You know, that should be up to whoever the web host is and whatever their policies are. Um, that shouldn't be up to you know me merely sharing something, um, especially especially if the if the you know phone number is not in the headline. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I could not agree more. All right, Christina, what are you up to this week? So I'm actually doing something really cool. So um, it won't be up for a couple of weeks, um, but uh, uh, Microsoft CTO Kevin Scott has a new podcast uh, called um, Behind the Tech. And the first episode of the podcast just came out this week. And he he talks with uh, Anders Helsberg, who is the um, uh, architect behind C Sharp and and, uh, and TypeScript at Microsoft. He also was basically kind of the creator of like a, a Turbo Pascal at Borland. And like he has a, a massive history in, in compilers and in language and all kinds of stuff. He's amazing. And so, so Kevin interviews him, but going wow. forward, and yeah, it's it's a great interview. I'll, I'll we'll put a link in the show notes. But going forward, I'm actually going to be um, doing the podcast with Kevin. So oh, Kevin's oh, going wow. to be, so Kevin's going to be doing the interviews, but I'm going to be chatting with him before and after about various things. So, um, he'll, I'll kind of be his epic man, so to speak, or his, his, you know, Andy Richter. Um, and, uh, I'm super excited about that. So we're, we are recording our first episode together, um, tomorrow. And, uh, so that'll be up in a few weeks and obviously I'll share that when that's out. And um, also uh, recording some videos uh, for for Channel Nine and Microsoft Developer YouTube channel. So uh, lots of stuff on that front. I have to say that was my very first language was uh, Borland Turbo Pascal. I'm beyond basic, obviously, but uh, wow, that's really awesome! Congratulations, yeah. Ooh. Brianna. What about you? Oh God, what the hell am I doing? Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Meetings, fundraising, canvassing. Yay. It's sunny in Boston. Oh, we're doing a parade. We're doing a Woo-hoo. parade. Uh, there's going to be a parade this weekend, and I'm looking forward to this. So my little Porsche Boxster, my 986, we're going to put big Brianna Wu banners on the side of it and drive it down the street in Braintree, and I'm going to be passing out candy and, like, shaking every hand of people as I'm walking down the street in this parade. It's going to be yes. awesome. Looking forward to that. That sounds really fun. I'm I'm a good politician, Simone. Find I'm the good constituents. At this job. Say hello like to it. them. I will. And uh, give them candy, which is not an FEC violation. So. Oh God. We had a <laughs> knockdown fight in Vox Media's Slack today about what candy is good. It lasted <laughs> for like an hour. <laughs> What, what did you decide? That's what, what did it you was because Slack was down this morning, and we had all this pent up energy from not being able to Slack. And when we got back on, oh boy, oh boy, it was out of control. Um, what but, I am doing? What did you decide? Yeah, no. Oh well, no, there were no decisions, Bree. There's only fighting. Okay, there were what, no agreements. What, what position do you advocate? Because if it's not Reese's fast break, our work together is we over. We cannot have this discussion again. <laughs> There are too many choices. Christina, what's your choice? Yes. Yes? Totally. Just yes? No. Okay. Milky Way Midnight. Uh, okay. Legit. Yeah. Legit. Uh, that's a good one. That's a, Legit. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah. 
I might go Milky Way Classic, but Milky Way Midnight is, yeah. Thank you. It's superior, I think, yeah. I feel like we're in a very tense, like, standoff. <laughs> like, all right, no one's firing yet. Okay, okay, we can move on from this. Uh, I'm actually going to be on a YouTube show tomorrow uh, called Drawfee, uh, which is like a drawing <laughs> challenge show. And fortunately, I will not be drawing, but I will be ruining drawings. And that's what I do best. Uh, so that is happening. Oh boy, I should definitely know what time it happens. And I am about to tell you 7 p.m. Eastern um, at youtube.com slash D-R-A-W-F-E-E. And me and Allegra from Polygon are both going to be on. And I am super pumped. Uh, maybe this episode will be out by then. Maybe you'll have to look up the VOD later. Either way, I'm going to be on live YouTube and I'm going to ruin some lives. I'm very excited. Yay! Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Brianna, where can we find you online? Uh, you can support my campaign at supportbrianna.com. And you can see me on the Twitter machine at, uh, what's my Twitter handle? It's Space Cat Gal on Twitter. And Christina? You can find me on the Twitters at film underscore girl, also on the uh, Instagrams. And you can find the videos that I do at work at youtube.com slash Microsoft Developer. Yeah. And you can find me at on Twitter at Doom Quasar, where I am live tweeting season two of Riverdale on Netflix. Yes. Oh, God. It's I love so Riverdale so much. Um, I've never seen it, but your live tweets make me really like Archie's a narc. I want to see oh, yeah. this now. Yo, yeah. Here's the thing. I loved the first season of the show so much, and I have very conflicted feelings about season two, yet I can't stop watching. It's definitely not as good, and yet I persist. Cannot That's what stop. I'm saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It is It is the teen. And honestly, like, Riverdale is like the teen drama that I've been waiting for for years. It's my true, like, OC Dawson's Creek, like, successor type of type of thing, honestly. Mm-hmm. That and The Runaways. Uh, and, uh Yeah. I haven't yeah. seen Runaways yet. I love the comic. Is it good? It's okay. really good. It's on Hulu. Okay. It's really good. Okay. It, it's, it's, it's from, it's from, it's from uh, the, the, the people who gave us the OC. So how could it not be good? Okay. okay. I've been I mean, they gave us the OC. With, yeah. Well, they, so. gave us, they also gave us Gossip Girl. So I'm just saying like. Yeah. You know. I like Gossip Girl. I do not like Clo- Cloak and Dagger though. No. I think that is subpar personally. Uh, and also youtube.com slash polygon is where you can find me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go to bed. Let's do it. Let's this do episode it. of Rocket is hey, reviewable on Apple Podcasts and wherever you review <laughs> podcasts. It is also terminated. 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 <laughs> <laughs>